We are continuing our series uh, looking at these unforced rhythms of grace. Uh, this is our second to last. That makes it penultimate, doesn't it? That's the posh word for that, doesn't it? Uh, this is our second to last uh, one of these before we move into a little Advent series for a little bit. Sorry, this is all tangled up. Definitely tangled up. Is it fixed? There we go. See, I've got big ears and glasses and everything. It makes it a terrible hassle. Uh, yes, so we have this um, uh, this second to last one. We've looked at a whole bunch of different uh, subjects a lot, uh, over the course of the last couple of months, and we've got a whole load more to do. And it's been really interesting to me to see that for each week there's different people coming and saying, oh, that was really great, that actually that's been really helpful in my life. But it's fascinating because... Different people are different weeks for it. And I think that's actually been the gift of this series to us. I know last week I found all this stuff on um, uh, Sabbath really helpful. And we tried to put it into practice this week. And it was good and difficult. Uh, So that's the way it's supposed to be, I think. We've been taking this as our text. Um, I think after Christmas, when we come back to this, I'm going to have us speak it all out together, uh, and we're going to learn to basically memorize this text, because I think it's really helpful for us. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, this morning we're going to talk about a subject that I, I think it isn't often spoken about in churches. It's the subject of lament, of sorrowful grieving before God, of choosing to come to God with a, a level of honesty that is frankly, for most of us, just quite uncomfortable and not normal. We're going, to look, we're going to spend most of our time this morning in one particular psalm, in Psalm 13. But it's worth just taking a moment to think about this whole idea of lament and what it is. I'm going to lay out to you that I think it has three movements. Sometimes you can call it four, but we're going to call it three this morning because I had three Ps and that made it a proper sermon. So it's three this morning. We're going to look at uh, pain, prayer, and praise. And that's the, the movement of lament. Because here's the first thing. Lament isn't a state of being that we sit in and don't move from. Lament is actually a journey or a process, something that we walk through. But it's not something that our world, I think, is particularly uh, familiar with. And I think the church has become profoundly unfamiliar with it over the last uh, few decades. In our our culture, I read something this week um, by uh, Tim Keller. And he was saying that in our culture, uh, that basically what happens is that they they say to you, you know, suck it up, you know, man up, big up, you know. Push on, you'll just get through it, get to the other side, you'll be fine. And actually, I think we say something similar in the church. That when difficult stuff comes to us, when pain comes to us, all too often, 
we're saying to people, just get through it, you know, just strengthen up, you know, pull your socks up and you'll be fine. Or there's a more spiritual version of exactly that, which is something like, well, you know, God's still good and still on the throne. Or God will never give you anything that you can't cope with. I want to be 100% clear, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. It's not in the Bible. It sounds like it might be in the Bible somewhere, and lots of people have quoted that as if it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. We must draw alongside people in pain and just allow them to be in pain. The Jewish people have a habit called sitting Shiva. And what happens is when someone dies, the community gathers around and comes and sits in your home. They don't do anything. They don't say anything. They're simply the example of the fact that you are not alone and that God is present. There's something beautiful about how embodied that is of a reality that they want to express. And so we need to learn again as a church, and I mean our church, but I also mean the church more more widely, what it is to lament, what it is to grieve, what it is to say it is okay to be angry with God. Did you know it's okay to be angry with God? In fact, sometimes it's important that we can express that we are angry with God. Because otherwise we're pretending like God doesn't know we're angry with him. And that's foolish, right? We must be able to say to God, I am furious with you. Why? How? And we're going to look at what that looks like this morning. Let us turn in our Bibles to Psalm 13. Dougald will put the words forward for us as we go here so they will be on the screen. This is, it tells us, a psalm of David. Most likely this is a time when he is being pursued by either Saul or Absalom. We're not sure. Um, It doesn't really matter, as we'll see from the psalm. The bottom line is things are not good for him at this moment. How long, Lord, writes David, will you forget me? Sorry, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Do you hear the honesty in those words? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. He is not in a good place. But, this is the turning moment in this particular psalm. But, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. A psalm of lament. I think it's the second of them. There are around 30 to 35 psalms that are clearly of lament, and then there's about another 25 that have lament elements to them. It says that about a quarter to a third of all the psalms that are written, the Jewish songbook, are laments. 
I regret that when I sat down to pick songs for us to sing today, be fair to say that there's no way a quarter to a third of the songs we have to sing in church are laments. But nothing has changed. The world is still painful and broken. We still experience deep sorrow. People still die. Life still comes at us at a thousand miles an hour and knocks us off our feet. And so I think if we want to be with Jesus, which is really what we've been talking about in this whole series, we must learn to embrace some lament. How do we do that? Well, the first is we begin with pain. And we begin with the honesty of our pain. We do not pretend that stuff doesn't hurt. When people die, it is painful. When promises are broken, it is painful. When relationships end, it is painful. When dreams are squashed, it is painful. And we just need to be honest about that. Honest with one another, for sure, because there's a community aspect to lament. Bring other people into your pain. Allow them to journey with you. But much more than that, this is about can we bring our pain to God? See, here in this psalm, David has come and he has just given God both barrels. How long? How long? How long will you forget me? How long will you hide? How long must I wrestle day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? David's not hiding his pain from God. He's ranting at God about it. And that is exactly what we should do. The first beginning of pain is to come to God with a deep honesty and say, I am angry. Or I am in pain. Or I am in sorrow. It's real. One of the great privileges of my job is I get to show up in people's lives at times of crisis. Good crisis like marriages and births and all of those things. And bad crisis. Uh, Health problems, marriage problems, death those kinds of times. And people are kind enough to allow me to enter into their life and bring something of the message of Jesus there. We must begin here with this acknowledgement of pain. Of saying it's not all okay. Of like David saying, this is my problem. And that's the thing I want you to be really clear about here. In this pouring out of pain, it's not about being theologically accurate at this point. There is a moment where we need to get our, our theology squared away. But this is about honesty. See, David, in this first part, seems to suggest like God's forgotten him. That God is hiding him and that there's a sense in which God has disappeared somewhere else and all his promises to David are not going to come true. That's not theologically correct. None of those things had happened. None of those things were true. God hadn't disappeared somewhere else. God was not going to, to have forgotten about them. He wasn't hiding his face. None of that was true. But it was real. Does that make sense? It wasn't true, but it was real. And so he had to, he had to pour that out before God in pain. The um, 
the minister of Dunblane Parish Church uh, in the, on the Sunday after the school shooting there, he said he discovered again that the church had forgotten how to lament, that he had forgotten how to lament, and it was only when great pain was confronting him that he realized he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't have a place to go. We must become like David and actually just begin to express our honest, heartfelt anger, disappointment, sorrow, whatever the, the, the right emotion is, as we begin our journey of lament. Because it can't start anywhere else. Anywhere else is actually untrue. I, I, I knew a guy who had suffered a, a, terribly, a really awful thing had happened to him, uh, and yet he, he refused to journey in this. He absolutely refused to say he was angry with God. He absolutely refused to say that he was in pain because that would somehow diminish who God was. And so he never dealt with it. And you can, if you meet, if you were ever to meet this guy, you, you can see it. He carries a wound that he's never been able to deal with. And it, it's a tragedy. But David doesn't stop here, right? This is not the end of lament. And sometimes when we talk about lament, I think part of the problem is we think this is the beginning and the end of it, that we pour out our complaint to God, that we say that we're angry and that's the end of it. Well, no, because nothing's happened there. All it is is that I've been honest with God. The next part is prayer. And so David shifts from this sense of anger and he begins to pray. And the prayer in this case is kind of in two parts. He says, look at me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Okay, so that's the first part of it. He's just saying, look, you've got to help me here. I feel like I'm dying is basically what he's saying. And then the second part, he says, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. See, the second part is pointing to Luke God. The first one is about David. He, he's saying, for my sake, God, will you step in here and do something? And then he kind of hedges his bets. I love this prayer, because he's kind of saying, well, if you'll not do it for my sake, would you do it for your own sake? So that your name will be not brought down, but will actually be lifted up. And that's the way we become to pray. Out of our pain, we begin to say, okay, God, this is what I need you to do. This is how I need you to work. This is what I need you to do for me. And actually, God, it would be good if you did it because also... Your name will be praised because people will see my pain and see that you have stepped in. I want to recognize something, though. And what I want us to recognize is that the movement from pain to prayer is challenging because it means you have to still think there's a God to pray, worth praying to, right? And I've seen so many people in the midst of pain, like, I don't think God's even there. Well, if we were to take time and look at other psalms of lament, so maybe the famous one, Psalm 22, uh, which is the, the one that Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then what happens there is we get exactly the same uh, movement of pain, of prayer, and of praise. But there's this little bit in the middle between pain and prayer in Psalm 22 where he just starts naming who God is. 
or at least who God has been, how he has experienced God in the past. And this is really critical, that in the past he remembers that actually, God, you know what, you did good things, that you have stepped in for me in the past. You have shown yourself to be faithful and kind and good and true. And so he's not saying, God, I feel like you are these things. He's saying, but I remember you were these things. And if you remember the story of Israel, when they crossed over the Red Sea, uh, not the Red Sea, sorry, when they crossed over the Jordan, God told them to pick up rocks from the bottom of the Jordan and to carry them into the promised land. And they were to build a monument. And what was that monument there for? Does anyone remember? Was it there to worship? No. It was about remembering. And then God does it again later on with what are called Ebenezer stones, which is where we get that random line in, come thou fount of every blessing, that most people don't have a clue what they're actually singing. Here I raise my Ebenezer. They go, I don't know what that is. It's about stones. That uh, at Ebenezer, they were to put down stones. And the purpose of those stones, was that they would remember that surely God has been with us this far and he will go with us beyond. And so in lament, we do exactly the same thing. We come with our pain, and then we begin to remind ourselves of the things God has done before. Now, this means that we must prepare in the good times for the bad times. I don't know how many of you journal or do anything like that, but it's a really powerful way of when you need to access, how, did God, how has God moved in my life before? You get out your journal, and you go, oh, look, remember he did this? Remember that time he spoke so clearly? Remember that time he answered this prayer? Remember that time he showed up out of the blue? Those kinds of things. And so we prepare ourselves in the good times for when those difficult times are going to come. Because they do come. That's just the way that life works. And so... We turn to prayer, and we talked a few weeks ago about prayer. I'm not going to belabor how we pray, but there is that sense that it's important that as we be turn to prayer, we don't just ignore the pain part, so we carry that into our prayer. And then in prayer, what we discover is that we move to praise, and every lament psalm finishes this way, every one of them, to praise. Now, we must not rush here, okay? It's not a, oh, I've poured out my complaint to God, now I must sing his praises, okay? There's a journey that takes time to get here, and different people will take different lengths of time to get on to that part of it. But if we're talking about true biblical lament, it involves pain, it involves prayer, and it involves praise, you see, we have to, absolutely have to get to this place where we say, God, even if there is no miracle. This is a quote from a song. Even if there is no miracle, yet I will praise you. That's a tough place to get to. But that's the call of the one who follows Jesus. The way that David puts it, he says, But I trust your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Again, David is accessing his past. As someone once put it, we reach back into our past to bring it into our present in order to give us hope for the future. 
That's the kind of praise that we're doing. And so sometimes you'll come along here and the worship leader will pick songs that you don't like. Or they'll be playing too loud. Or they'll be playing too quietly. Or the songs will be too fast or too slow or out of key or in too high a key or in too low a key or just it's cold. And yet the call is to praise. Beyond these circumstances, the call is to praise, to worship Jesus, to give him glory, even when we don't feel like it. And here's the thing for us, on the other side of the Psalms, okay, on the other way to the fulfillment of all that the Psalmists were hoping for, we don't lament as people without a God who knows sorrow. You see, as every pain that we are experiencing, every sorrow that we have, we can turn and know that God experienced exactly the same. That when Jesus suffered and died on the cross... God suffered. That we don't suffer alone anymore or with a God who doesn't understand. And so our whole approach to lament and particularly to this last element of praise, the hopeful part, is because Jesus has died on the cross because God knows what suffering is. And then because Jesus rose from the dead, it says suffering does not have the last word. Death no longer holds the key, all the power. It has been defeated. And so for you and for I, we look forward with hope to that day when God says, I will wipe away every tear from their eye. When he says, behold, I am making all things new again. And that is why when we approach lament, we can do so with honesty, with genuine honesty about our pain, that we can be angry with God, we can express all of that, and we should. And then in time, we're able to turn to prayer and begin to say, okay, God, I need you to move in this thing. Sort it, fix it, help me, do this, do that, whatever we need. For my sake and for yours. And then God... As I'm doing that, I recognize that you are still on the throne. I may not feel it, I may not experience it, but I choose to declare it. We don't rush to it, but we get there. And we get there because we have our eyes fixed on the cross in a way that we're able to say, my God went before me and he has conquered death. Therefore, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And we hold on to that. And we choose to walk and to live in that. Words can seem empty sometimes. I recognize that. It's always difficult to talk about this subject because, because pain is real and people experience real things. I, I know this week there are people in our church who are in real pain. And it can sound like I'm just saying, well, this is easy. It's not easy. It's only ever done with tears, with anguish. 
disappointment. But if we want to be the kind of people who follow hard after Jesus, who are being made into his image, then one of the things we have to embrace is lament. And we have to practice it when we're doing all right. So these kinds of rhythms of being honest with God and uh, finding ways to pray and then to praise are important because if we do them now, we will have habits that can sustain us when the difficult times come upon us. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to pray. And then um, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm, we're going to sing a song. Uh, I'm going to teach you a song that I suspect most of you don't know. There is a lament. I found a lament song this week. Or I remembered a lament song. Um, so I'm going to sing it. I'll sing it a couple of times and hopefully you can pick it up. Um, and, uh, and we'll do that. But I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray... Uh, that we would learn what lament is but I'm also going to pray for some folks in our church uh, some who will be named some who won't um, who right now face difficult challenges and uh, pray that God will draw near to them in that Father God we come to you thank you that you are big enough to take our pain and our sorrow to take our most honest pouring out of our heart and that you are interested. That we do not diminish you by coming to you with our pain and our sorrow. But actually we recognize that you are big enough and able enough to do something about it. So teach us, Lord, what it is to lament as a group, as a people, as a community. But also teach us, Lord, what it is for us as individuals to be able to mourn, to weep to express pain, to turn to prayer and to trust you in praise. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And Lord, we pray particularly for our brothers and sisters in our church who are in times of difficulty right now. We pray that you would draw near to them, that you would encourage them to be honest with you, that they would hold fast they would be able to remember the good things that you have done, how you have shown yourself to be their strong tower in the past, how you have shown yourself to be faithful and good and true, how you've shown that the promise that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will, we need fear no evil because you are with us. Lord, help people to hold on to those truths. And might they turn to you in prayer. And we stand with them in prayer right now, Lord. For, for those who need healing, we pray for healing. For those who need deliverance, we ask for deliverance. For those who just need comfort, Lord God, we ask that your comfort will come. We don't ask those things in simple, glib ways because we know these are profoundly important things for these people, Lord. So we, we stand and we say, Lord, bring healing in the name of Jesus to all those who need it. We, we think of John uh, Wilson in the hospital just now, Lord. Uh, he, he needs healing in his life. Lord, we thank you for the doctors and what they're doing, but you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So might you heal John in a miraculous way. Fix whatever's going on in his body. Yeah. You can do amazing things, Lord, because you are the God who sits enthroned on high. 
And through your son, Jesus, you have conquered death and welcomed us into new life. So we choose to praise you this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.